0: I wanna join with Dylan and say thank you so much for all of your generosity in making ministry happen at Stevens Creek Church and all those watching online. We just appreciate what you're doing. I'm telling you, uh, a couple of years ago when the Lord really spoke to us and said there's a second harvest coming, uh, we are uh, starting to see that even now. And so I just want to encourage you to open up your heart uh, and be sensitive to God's promptings because there could be someone that you will meet this week um, that is longing for an invitation to say um, The way you can say to them Why not you come to church with me this Sunday And that invitation just may be Something that changes their life So thanks so much uh, Let's dive in Have you ever had one of those experiences Where you wanted uh, After that experience You wanted to come and share it with your family Or share it with your friends But it's like you couldn't find the right words for it I mean, maybe it was like a vacation, or maybe it was like a restaurant, that it was so great that the words that you had just simply did not do it justice. Several years ago, our family went to California on a vacation. We, we flew into Orange County, we rented a van, and we headed north. Our first major stop was Sequoia National Park in Kings Canyon. I'll never forget, we were driving around the mountains and we turned uh, the corner and there in front of me was a sequoia tree. Now, I had never seen one before in person. I mean, I'd seen it on television, maybe I'd seen it in print, but to see a sequoia tree face to face, it was like that thing that took my breath away. It was incredible. Two and a half years ago, I was invited to speak at a church of God in Paris. And so Patty and I flew to Paris and and we had an opportunity to visit the Eiffel Tower. Now, I'm like you. I've seen the Eiffel Tower many times on television. I've seen it printed on the internet or in books. But to stand there that night and to look up and to see the Eiffel Tower, here's a picture I took of it. I mean, it was like Huge! It was like surprising. It was like one of those take your breath away moments. Have you ever had one of those experiences? One of those experiences that surprised you so much that it was like it took your breath away? I want you to turn to the person beside you and tell them of one of those experiences that you've had. Okay, guys, let me help you. Now, if you're speaking to your wife, this is what you just said. I'll never forget when I was standing on our wedding day (laughs) and I saw you walk down the aisle. It was one of those take my breath away experiences, right? Or maybe when you were able to hold that brand new baby for the first time. I mean, that nurse handed the baby over to you and it was like a miracle in motion. It was just incredible. Or maybe it was the time that you saw this. (laughs) The hot donut sign at Krispy Kreme. It's like one of those things that just takes your breath away. I mean, a Krispy Kreme donut, it like melts in your mouth, and you think, it just doesn't get any better than that. So, when you think about it, the thing about Sequoia National Park, the thing about the Eiffel Tower, the thing about a Krispy Kreme donut is this some things need to be experienced, not explained. Some things need to be experienced and not explained. There are some things that you just can't explain. I mean, words just do not do it justice. I mean, you're in church today, so you're not gonna be surprised at what I'm about to say. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is actually one of those things. I mean, Jesus is one of those things that really has to be experienced. You really just can't explain it. Now, that doesn't keep us from trying to explain it. I grew up in a church that tried to explain Jesus to people. And many of you did, too. Back in the day, we used to use various methods to try to explain Jesus. One of those methods would be the Roman road. Now, the Roman road is a way that we look at the Bible and the book of Romans, and we would use verses from the book of Romans to explain Jesus or to explain the way of salvation. The Roman road um, would say that we have all sinned, and our sin has separated us from God. And Jesus died for us, and salvation comes through faith. Now, that was the Roman road. It's a way to explain salvation. Now, sometimes people print the Roman road or other things like that on a piece of paper, and they hand those pieces of paper out. Those flyers are called tracks. And so, uh, the people often will hand you a tract trying to explain Jesus in, in hopes that will lead people to salvation. Now, when I was in college, I went door to door on weekends, many weekends, handing out tracts trying to explain Jesus to people. Now my heart was in the right direction, but that is a miserable way to explain Jesus. I mean, how do you explain unconditional love? I mean, how do you explain complete acceptance by, from a person who knows everything that you've done and they know everything about you and still love you? How do you explain that? It's impossible to explain. And so when Jesus was here on earth, he never tried to explain himself, but he had a strategy, a come and see strategy. He had a strategy of experience. Today, we're going to look at The New Testament book of John. And in John chapter 1, Jesus begins the process of building a team, a group of guys that would eventually become his disciples and share the message of hope. Now, in John chapter 1, John, you've got to understand, the writer of this, he was one of those disciples. And he is able to... uh, to give a firsthand report of what he saw Jesus do and what he experienced uh, as he interacted with Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about this book is when you read this book, it's kind of confusing because in the Gospel of John, that was written by the disciple John, there's another guy named John. His name was John the Baptist. Now, oftentimes when, I was, uh, when you read about John the Baptist, you try to figure out, okay, uh, what's up with John the Baptist? We just think, oh, he's the guy, he's the pastor that started First Baptist, right? But this is not about a denomination. It's not about Catholic, Kathy the Catholic. It's not about Matthew the, the Methodist. It's not about Church of God Todd, even though sometimes we like to call him that. It is not about a denomination, but actually John the Baptist was a a nickname for uh, this guy because he was called John the Baptizer. He was the first person that we actually know that baptized people. Now, when a person in those days converted from being a Gentile to being Jewish, they would go through a ceremonial washing called baptism. They would sit in a cistern and they would wash their bodies uh, in this ceremony as if they were saying they're washing their old life away. They were being cleansed from their old way of living. Now, we carry on that tradition over 2,000 years um, since uh, today. And when a person accepts Christ, he is lowered or she is lowered into uh, the waters of baptism. And that signifies Jesus uh, being lowered into a tomb. And then when you come up out of the water, that signifies Jesus' resurrection, that we are resurrected with a new life in Christ. So we carry on that tradition. So with that kind of background, let's pick up the story in John chapter 1, and we're going to stay in this chapter, but we're going to look at verses 35 and 36 as we begin. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of John the Baptist's disciples, okay? Now, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look, look the Lamb of God." Now, when John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God, everybody paused. Everybody paused. Because up until this moment, if you wanted to be in right standing with God, you had to sacrifice something. I mean, you would sacrifice a lamb or you would sacrifice a goat or you would sacrifice uh, an ox or maybe a pigeon or something like that. Something had to die to atone for your mistakes and your sins. And so they understood this sacrificial system that if you wanted to be right with God, something had to be sacrificed. So when Jesus walked by and John the Baptist looked at him and said, look, the Lamb of God, people in the crowd said, wait a minute. Is this the guy? Is this guy the sacrifice? Is this guy the sacrificial lamb? They knew from their teaching and their upbringing that the Messiah was coming. They understood that one day the Messiah would come and be sacrificed so that he would reconcile them back to God. They knew that he would pay for the penalty of their mistakes. So when John announced that Jesus was the Lamb of God, everything changed. We pick up the next verse. When the two disciples heard him say this, notice this. These two disciples of John the Baptist, they turned and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus said to them who were following, the guys that were following him, he said, okay, what do you want? They wanted to know if Jesus was really the guy. They wanted to know if he was the the Messiah. I mean, they were looking at a Jewish carpenter turned um, rabbi And in their eyes, they didn't see that this is what the prophet was talking about. I mean, they were expecting a nice-looking guy that would come in on a horse and maybe had this ability to uh, gather troops together and create an army, and they were going to march on Rome, and they were going to defeat the enemy, and they were going to rule and reign. They were looking for that guy. But Jesus didn't look like that guy. So Jesus turned around and said, what do you want? Have you ever bumped bumped into a celebrity or somebody that's a big deal to you? And then you have this interaction with them and you say something and you don't really know what to say say, uh, to them. But when you say something to them, it sounds stupid. I mean, I told you several weeks ago that when I was in the 10th grade and I had an opportunity to shake hands with Jimmy Carter, it was just a couple of weeks before he would become president. And I was just pumped up and I I was in Columbia and I shook hands with Jimmy Carter and I had this moment to talk to him. And all I could say is, I'm from Abbeville. That's all I could say. He looked at me, he says, my aunt lives in Abbeville. I said, I know. That was it. That was my conversation with what was going to be the most powerful man in the world at that time. I didn't know what else to say. Several years ago, JT and I were at a restaurant in Atlanta, and we walk in the restaurant, and he looks up, and there is Louis Giglio. And, uh, and JT at that point was starstruck with this guy because he is a famous worship leader. He's written several books. And he ran up. All of a sudden, JT's out of the picture. Where, is it? where did he go? I, I, in fact, I said, where did JT go? He ran to his car because he uh, had a book of Louis Giglio's in his car. And he ran up to him and said, will you sign this book? I mean, I think all of us, when we see a celebrity or somebody that's a big deal to us, whether it's a musician, whether it's an author, uh, whether it's a politician, we are somewhat starstruck. And there are times when we don't know what to say and you, like me, say something stupid. Well, if you have done that before in a panic, then you know what these disciples felt like that day. Because when they saw Jesus, they looked at him. He said, what do you want? What's the response? They said, well, Rabbi, where are you staying? I mean, Jesus looked at them and says, what? Where am I staying at the Holiday Inn Express down the road? Right? Well, not exactly that. But Jesus responded instead of saying, oh, I'm staying at the hotel over there in the middle part of Jerusalem. Jesus looked at them and says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Now, this is significant. Now, Jesus is not telling them what hotel he's staying at in Jerusalem. He was saying something much bigger than that. He said, if you will come, you will see your very life changed. Come. Come and see. Verse 38. Um, So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with them. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I love that. Detail, that level of detail. Yeah, we hung out with Jesus that day. The, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Now, we drop down a few verses in verse 43. It says, The next day, okay, they were with him at four o'clock. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. So he went and found Philip and he said to Philip, Philip, I want you to follow me. Now, follow me is another way of saying, Come. And see. Follow me is another way of saying come and see. Jesus wanted Philip to experience life in his presence. And when Philip followed Jesus, he experienced things that he had never experienced before, and he experienced things that he could not explain. Philip was so excited about this that he went to his friend to tell his friends and he started by telling his friend Nathaniel. Drop down a couple of verses. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote it is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Philip is excited about this and i can just picture him grabbing nathaniel by the shoulders and saying "nate nate you got to come with me you got to come with we found him we found him we found the messiah he is jesus" and i'm sure nathaniel said "wait a minute" Wait a minute, Philip. We have gone through this before. There have been other people that have come on the scene and declared that they were the Messiah, and it all faded out. Calm down. No, 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 no. This is the one. Philip is looking at it. Nate, this is the one. This is the one. He is the Messiah. He is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel at that point was not convinced. He was, In fact, he was very skeptical, and he said, Nazareth Can anything good come from there? Now, if you were Philip at that point, you would probably do what I would probably do, is try to explain, no, 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 you don't want to explain who Jesus is. Listen, Nate, you've got it all wrong. Let me explain Jesus to you. Have you heard about him? Have you heard about Jesus? I mean, Nate, if you got hit by a bus tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Oh, Nate, if the rapture took place, would you go up? I mean, that's how they taught me to explain Jesus when I was a kid. We used fear to explain Jesus. You get right or you will be left. You know, that type of thing. You're going to turn or you're going to burn. And so we used fear to try to explain Jesus Philip doesn't do that. He doesn't try to explain Jesus to Nathanael, his friend. This is what he did in verse 46. Philip said this, come and see. Come and see. Philip learned this strategy from Jesus. Because in fact, everywhere Jesus went, he understood, that he used the same strategy, come. Come and see. So when it comes to faith, the goal is not to explain something, but to experience someone. When it comes to faith, the goal is not to explain something, but it is to experience someone. And this is what Jesus understood. This is what Philip understood, that when it comes to faith, the goal is not to explain someone um, but it's to experience something, is to experience someone, to experience Jesus for himself. If you read the stories about Jesus gathering his disciples... He would walk up to them, and he would say the words, hey, follow me, or he would say the words, come and see. Jesus used this strategy on people like Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a hated individual, and people saw, uh, Jesus saw Matthew, and he said, Matthew, I want you to gather all your friends, because I'm going to come over to your house tonight, and we're going to have dinner together. Jesus wanted Matthew, one of the most hated people in the community, to experience Jesus, to experience life uh, in a new way. We see this in the woman at the well. Now, Jesus went up to Jacob's well in Samaria, and there's a woman that walked up to him. and, And we really don't know her name, but we do know that she was not supposed to be there because it was the middle of the day. In those days, women would go out early in the morning and gather water from Jacob's well. This woman shows up in the middle of the day. Why would she show up in the middle of the day? Well, because she was an outcast. Because she didn't have any friends. Because she didn't want to be seen by the other people in the community. Now, in those days, an honorable Jewish man would not talk to a woman like this But Jesus talked to her. And Jesus talked right to her and says, I know things about you. She leaned in and listened. I know that you've had multiple marriages. In fact, you've been married five times. I know this, that the man you're living with now is not your husband. She said, I perceive you must be a prophet. And then she starts into this question. Well, should we drink water from this well or from another well? And Jesus said, Look, I want to talk to you about living water. The water, if you drink water from this well, you will thirst again. But if you drink the water that I will give you, the living water, you will never thirst again. And to that moment, her life was changed. Do you know what happened? she ran back to her community and her, her neighborhood and started telling everybody, come and see, uh, come and see, come and see. And they did. And hundreds of people had their lives changed as an experience, because they had an experience with Jesus. We see the man Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? He was the chief tax collector. Now, if Matthew was hated, this guy was hated even more because he was the chief. Now, what do we know about Zacchaeus? We know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree for, um, for the Lord he wanted to see. Now, that's a shout-out for all you who went to Sunday school back in the day. used to sing that song. Now, Jesus was going through... Uh, Jericho and the crowds had come and Zacchaeus had climbed up into a tree because he wanted to he, he was a short man and he couldn't see over the crowd and he wanted to see Jesus. Jesus was walking but there when he got by that tree he stopped and he looked up at Zacchaeus. Again, the most hated man around, the chief tax collector that had stolen from so many people and he said Zacchaeus come down. I am going over to your house today. And we see the story unfold. And, and, and Zacchaeus accepted that invitation. And Jesus went over to his house and had dinner. And Zacchaeus experienced Jesus. He experienced Jesus. He repented. He, his life was changed. He paid restitution to the people that had, he had stolen from. Jesus changed his life. Do you know why Jesus always said to people, come and see? Because he understood that when it comes to faith, the goal was not to explain something, but to experience someone. And what was true 2,000 years ago is also true today. Jesus needs to be experienced not explained. How do you explain genuine love? How do you explain forgiveness? How do you explain restoration to a guy like Zacchaeus? How do you explain grace and and mercy? Nothing in the world looks like that. Nothing in the world looks like that. It's so hard to fathom that that someone can know everything about you and still love you. It's hard to fathom someone who is willing to pay the penalty of your mistakes and your sins and my sins to the point where he's willing to suffer and to bleed and to die on the cross for you and me. It just can't be explained. When the apostles launched the first century church in in the book of Acts, they used this same strategy, this come and see strategy. Because in the first century church, it was not only built so, so people could grow in their faith, but the first century church was there to help gather the people who were on the outside. It was a place where people could ask questions and people could wrestle with their doubts. It was a place where people could experience life, uh, a life-changing relationship with Jesus From the early days of this church, Stevens Creek Church, we set out to be a come and see church. Just come and see. For this is a place for people who have questions. This is a place for people who have doubts. This is a place for people who struggle with issues. This is a place for people who have a past. And they can come and experience Jesus just as they are. You see, we believe that Stevens Creek Church can be a place, just like the first century church, it can be a place where the lost can be found and the broken, the broken can be healed. We believe that people matter. And for over three decades, we have been declaring people matter. And we've said it very clearly, lost people matter to God. And if lost people matter to God, then they matter to us. Now, parents, have you ever misplaced a child? No, seriously. Have you ever been in a department store... And maybe you have your elementary age child with you. And then you turn around and you don't see them. And this, this nervousness comes over you. Where do they go? And then you go around the department looking and you're, you're looking through clothes racks and you're looking for that child. And when you don't see that child because that child has gone to a different department, you, you have this desperate feeling over you this desperate feeling over you. I think that's how God feels. God is desperately looking for his lost children. God is searching for those kids that are lost. And God has asked us to join the search team. God has asked us to get on his team and that we would go search into the highways and the hedges and the country lanes. And we would search for his lost kids. And we would compel them to come here. And compel them that we don't want just to explain Jesus. We want them to experience him. This past week I, I saw Dana. And I remember the first time that, that I met Dana. Dana. She was addicted to alcohol, and she was unchurched. And I invited her to church, and I gave her one of my business cards, but she didn't come. Three and a half years later, someone from our church invited a friend of hers to come to church. Now, he was so scared to come to church that he literally drove into the parking lot He sat in his car during church and did not come through the doors. In fact, he did that for four weeks. For four weeks, he came to church, sat in the parking lot, and did not come in because he was too afraid to come in. But eventually, on that fourth week, he came to church. And he heard the message, and his life was changed. Sometime after that, he brought his friend, Dana. Dana. And Dana heard the message, and her life was changed. And Dana came to me several years later, maybe five years later, after all this happened. And she still had my card. And she said, I remember the day you invited me to church. Life is complicated. And people need help. And some of the greatest help that you can give someone is an invitation. Is an invitation to say, won't you come and see? You can come with your doubts and your past and all of the issues that you have. You can bring all of that. Just come and see. Just come and experience Jesus. Jesus is here to help you. He's here to give you what you're desperately looking for. You're looking uh, for a place to be loved. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. You're looking to know that your life matters. You're looking for hope. And here's what I know. I can't explain all that to you. But I do know of a place where you can come and experience that kind of life. That's what happened to Nathanael. When Philip asked Nathanael to come and see, Nathanael was super skeptical. But he eventually said, okay, I'll just try it out. We drop down to verse 37. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here's truly an Israelite in whom there's no uh, deceit. Nathaniel said, "How do you know me?" He said I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. When he said that, Nathaniel was blown away. And at that moment, he said, "Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel." At that moment, Nathaniel believed, and Nathaniel's confession changed everything. He found what he was looking for. He found Jesus. He experienced Jesus. When he found Christ, he found love, he found forgiveness, he found purpose. He had a hope that his future was going to be better than his past. You can experience that today. Because today, Jesus is calling you to come and see. To come and see, just like Matthew, just like the woman at the well, just like Zacchaeus, just like Philip, just like Nathaniel, come and experience Jesus. In 1834, a young woman named Charlotte Elliott was giving her debut concert at a concert hall in London, England. She didn't realize this, but in the audience that day was a a local pastor named Caesar Milan. While he was listening to this concert, he felt prompted that he needs to go share Christ with this artist. And so after the concert, he went up and said, uh, introduced himself and started to share Christ with her and her need for Christ. Then when she realized what he was doing, she was angry, and she stomped out in angry, uh, and anger, and she walked away. And As she was walking away, he, yell, he yelled out to her, I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't mean to offend you, but I wanted you to know that Jesus can save you if you'll only turn to him. That night, Charlotte went to her hotel room and she, went to bed but she couldn't sleep she tossed and turned for hours and finally she got out of bed and she wrote a poem says just as I am without one plea that thy blood was shed for me and thou bidst to me come to thee O lamb of God I come I come That poem became Charlotte's story. That poem became her testimony. It can be your testimony. Just as I am, God, I'm coming to you. Just as I am, with all of my brokenness, with all of the pain, with all of the difficulty, just as I am, I'm coming. And I want you to know that Jesus Is here. Jesus is here. And Jesus is here to open the door and to welcome you just as you are. Bow your head, it's time to pray. Today, Jesus is speaking to you to come. Today is your day to be saved. You've been to Stevens Creek over and over, you've heard the message, but today, He is prompting you to step out in faith. He's prompting you to give your life, to give your heart to him. And what Jesus will do for you today is he will erase all of your sins. He'll give you a second chance. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you meaning. And he'll give you a home in heaven. He's already paid for this. All you have to do is to receive it. To say, God, I accept the p- Jesus as the payment of my mistakes and sins. So how many of you today would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I wanna pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand here in this holy moment. And we can sense your presence in this room. And Father, for those that have never been saved, today is the day that they're gonna come and pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. Fill me with your spirit. I receive this in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray not only for those making that decision today for the first time, but I pray for those that have wandered away. And that today they are rededicating their lives. They're making that commitment to you. So God, let your grace and let your mercy fill this room. Father, I pray for those that are struggling with guilt and shame right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that the blood of Jesus would wash away your guilt and the shame. I pray for those that are struggling with negative thoughts, impure thoughts. I pray in the name of Jesus that your blood would wash those thoughts. Your word would wash those thoughts away. Come, Lord, move upon this church. Move upon us. We receive what you have for us. Don't you just say that. Say Jesus, I receive what you have for me. I receive this. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the give button. See you next time.